0: This is the Moto Revolution Podcast.
1: Your behind-the-scenes look into the motorcycle industry. The revolution will be motorized. Now, your host, Brant Collins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Moto Revolution Podcast. Um, I'm so excited today because our first guest is Austin Rothbard, and he is the CEO and founder of Twisted Road. Now, Twisted Road gets explained a lot as the Airbnb of motorcycle renting. Um, I was a couple years ago, I worked for the state of Arkansas in motorcycle tourism, and a friend through Facebook had kind of connected us, and we had a about an hour conversation when you were just starting the business, yep. and I found it really interesting back then. And uh, Austin, catch us up to where you're at. You know what the business does, and uh, kind of break it down.
0: Yeah, Brent. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm really honored to be your first guest on the show. Uh, based on your background and experience and and passions, I think there's there's you have years of uh, of good content ahead of you. So I'm excited to be here for episode one. Let me tell you a little bit about the business and how it works we we are do the easiest way to explain it is we are doing for motorcycles what Airbnb did for houses so people have motorcycles in their garage that they don't use they can put them on our website and then other people can rent them and that has two benefits we solve two problems one of the problems is you have a bike that you're not using as often maybe you got a bunch of bikes in the garage and you can't ride them all at once or maybe you just don't ride as often as you'd like because work and family gets in the way So we're solving that problem. The other problem we're solving is people like to rent bikes. And it's either because they want the variety of trying a new bike, they're thinking about buying a different bike and want to try before they buy, or most of the time they're traveling and they just want to see a new area on two wheels. And we're there for all of those.
1: So one of the great things about, you know, as an entrepreneurial startup that you are, you know, most of the business books I read, it's always about solving that pain problem. Right. So what was that pain problem for you that made you come up with this idea?
0: So I, I hadn't been riding um, for long. I, you know, I think at the time i had only been riding for a year or two. And my wife and family and kids and I were out in Utah at Zion and Bryce Park, uh, National Park. And I remember saying to my wife, man, I, I wish I had my bike. And, and you know, I get on the laptop and I look for a bike. And the closest thing was like an, an hour and a half away. And it was a bike of a a type. I didn't want to ride. It was really expensive. I'm like, I can't, I can't spend that much time just getting a bike. I'm not interested in. And then the next thing, you know, there was something else going on. I think it was motos in Moab, which was a camp out over Memorial day weekend. And I plotted this whole trip. I'm like, okay, well, for me to get there, I have to leave on this day and I have to do 300 miles or 400 miles a day. And then I ride down and I got to get back to work. And I'm like, I can't take two weeks off just to go for a long weekend. And over and over I kept coming up with those six words. I wish I had my bike. The problem over and over was just there weren't enough bikes that I was interested in renting in the area I was. You know, there's plenty in in Vegas, and LA. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity. But when you get into the, some of these areas that are just not as densely populated and don't have the tourism demand, uh, the, the the selection goes down tremendously.
1: Yeah, I know. As as a fellow traveler, I used to travel a lot for business, and I'd always be somewhere and think, man, I wish I could ride. Ride today, or or you know go visit something. I just wasn't aware of until I got there. But usually at that point, Eagle Rider was the only kind of option. So and, I think you're filling a big niche, you know, big void. I'm sorry that you're and, filling.
0: And Eagle Rider is a great option. I mean, they've got a ton of bikes. They've been doing it for twenty plus years, uh, and and um, they've got tours. They're a great option. Uh, there's a few things that make us different. You know, you're riding someone else's bike. Um, some people aren't comfortable with that, but a lot of people are and and after the ride's over you get an opportunity to uh to go on the site and 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 rate your experience there's three ways you can rate it the rider can rate the owner the owner gets to rate the rider and then the rider also gets to rate the bike and um we found that that um the 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 combination of three ratings has been really um uh worked well for us and for the community
1: so one of the things that I've, if if I'm a I try to tell people all the time about your service. And the first thing I ever get from them is I'm not letting anybody ride my bike. And right? What happens if somebody wrecks my bike? So right. how do you answer that question? Cause I'm sure you get that a lot.
0: All the time. There's two things here that we're talking about. The first is the person who doesn't want someone to rent their bike, which is totally understandable and acceptable. Before we started, we surveyed a thousand riders and only about 10 to 15% said they'd want someone to rent their motorcycle from them. And so we said, well, that's okay. We don't need 100%. If we can do this on 90% or, uh, 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 I'm sorry, 10% of the the bikes in the country, we'll have a successful business. In fact, if we can just get to 1%, we'll have a successful business. So we understand that. Look, Brent, my house is not on Airbnb. I don't want anyone sleeping in my bed. So I understand it. But the second part of the question is, what happens if something happens to the bike? We make sure that the owner is, paid for any damage that happens to the bike during the ride. Uh, If there's mechanical issues, that's on the owner. But if there's any damage due to uh, uh, an accident or the bike drops or anything else, we make sure that the owner is paid for it.
1: 100%. Very good. So now what about how do I know as a person renting my bike with the liability portion or who am I renting to? How do I know you know, how do I know they're qualified to ride a bike?
0: Well, there's a lot of verifications we go through. You know, that when I when I initially came up with the idea, I remember thinking, God, there's a lot of bikes in people's garages where right here, where I want to rent. I know they're sitting here. I just know that, you know, I bet I'm sure somebody would take a hundred bucks from me for me to rent their bike, but nobody trusts me. I'm an unknown. They don't know who I am. And at at that point, I realized that the core of our business there were two pieces. The first was we had to build trust. And the second is we were building a community. So across those two, building trust all comes down to the rider verification. There's a lot of information we get from a rider. We, get, um, we take their driver's license and we immediately check it with the DMV and make sure they have a valid uh, endorsement and it's not suspended. So we do that. We also uh, get a copy of their insurance card for the rider. We, um, we, we get all of their riding history and, and all of that information goes to the owner. So the owner gets to see, oh, okay, Brant wants my bike, and I've got a, he wants to rent my, my uh, Goldwing, and he has one-year experience on a Sportster and six months on a Honda Shadow. And so the owner can look at that and say, he's not getting on my, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. So they would just decline it. So um, ultimately, the power is in the, is in the owner's hands as to who gets on the bike, but knowing that the people that they're reviewing is, has all been vetted by us.
1: So what if I get to, you know, I rent a bike and I show up and it's, you know, I'm scared of the bike. It doesn't yeah. look like it's been maintained or, you know, tires are bald. What is, as a renter, what are, what do I stand on that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you can cancel. In fact, either party can cancel at any time. So let's say that, um, let's say that, you're about to go on the ride, and the day before you look, and you're going to uh, you're, you're going to be in Tampa, and there's horrible horrible rains coming through. Well, you just cancel it. We'll give you a full refund. It's not a big deal. Or you get to the bike, and you take a look at it, and the tires are bald, or you know the electrics electronics aren't working well. Same thing. Just cancel. It. Get out of there. On the flip side, if you're if you're stumbling around or you're a little bit, you smell like alcohol or you, you don't, you don't have any gear or you you get on the bike and you don't know how to start it. And the owner's like, man, I don't feel comfortable with this guy on my, on my bike. He can cancel. So both at the, at the transaction, at the final meeting, either party can get out for any reason. Um, You kind of need to do a handshake saying we're both comfortable here with each other in order to go.
1: Right. So what about some state like here in Arkansas, where a helmet free state. You don't have to wear a helmet. Um, Although, I suggest everybody does, and you know, nine times out of ten people do. But is there any kind of issue with that? Like, I guess you just turned down a guy if you felt like he needed to wear a helmet.
0: Yeah. Well, here's what it comes down to: is the, is the is we don't require uh, any hel- any helmets. We the way we the way we approach the helmet laws is that every rider needs to be responsible to follow whatever local, state, or federal laws are going on wherever they're renting the bike. That's it. So they rent a bike in Arkansas and they go to the next state. and they're not wearing a helmet, they hit the next state and they need a helmet. They're responsible for wearing a helmet. You know, it's really up to the rider to be responsible and safe.
1: Well, very good. I mean, I, th- I think I love the service. I know a couple of years ago when we first talked, I remember searching in Arkansas. And I don't even think there was a bike then. And I just did a search. How, many, got we got?
0: Every- How many we got? Let me see. I'm going to pull Arkansas.
1: Uh, let's see. I had pulled up. I did a search for Little Rock.
0: Yeah, and uh, I seen a a few fifty miles. Okay, yeah, little. Yeah, and
1: they were close to me too. So that was, um, let's see, searching right now. Yeah.
0: So on the on the side, you can pull up bikes within fifty miles of of Little Rock, and then so I've
1: got just six miles, seven miles for me. uh, Road Glide. Um. Yeah, Cabot, which is about twenty-three miles.
0: Yeah.
1: And then even a bmw 650 gs up for hundred dollars a day up around fort smith so um and then like one of the ones i seen uh, that was kind of interesting to me is around Fayetteville is where all the good roads are at there's a somebody that has a cbr 250 that's like a fun little bike but it's only like 45 bucks a day right that was that's pretty that's a pretty good budget so do they set their own prices
0: yeah that's exactly how it works the the, uh, the the owner of the bike sets the price and the interesting thing about that is that if you if you say well no one's getting on my bike for under 300 bucks a day you could set it at 300 but you're probably not going to get any 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 takers and, and if you set it for a hundred a day, you may get takers that want the bike for a week, Brand. And so, you know, there, there's kind of a weird balance between, hey, I don't want anyone on it for less than this amount because it's not worth my time, and also knowing that if you set it at a, at a fair price, you could get someone who takes it for a week or two.
1: You know, I, when I talked to a couple of guys, they like I said they are not going to rent my bike, and they're throwing a fit. And I was like, well you have 20 bikes in your garage, you know, cause right. a lot of guys have more than one bike or right. even if you were just to go buy some bikes and basically could start your own rail service. If you lived in an area that's got high traffic and high volume, you could pretty much do that. Is anybody doing that?
0: Uh, yeah, there's, we have a few people who are doing that who have a, a fleet of motorcycles and then they just rent them all out. They've been very busy and it's been good for them. Um, and, and um, we always like to say that, that, the, the owner, look, you know, here's a question we get. Someone said, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking about putting on my uh, my Ducati Scrambler. Okay, how many how many how many rides and rentals can I expect to get? I live in Fayetteville. And here's the thing: what I'm hearing in that question is, is it going to be worth it for me to list my bike? You know, is it going to be financially worth it for me to put my motorcycle on here? And the answer is always, I don't know, because you know, there's, there's some people have not gotten a rental, and there's some people who have made over $3,000 with us. And a lot of it has to do with the type of bike and the location. So in L.A., we've got Ducati Scramblers. They do well. You know, they're, they're nimble. They're good in, in, in a bunch of traffic. People can lane split. When you get out to Denver, Triumph Tigers do really well. And so it's a really regional thing. But there's no downside to putting your bike on the site, Brad, because if you put it on and you never get a rental, you're no worse off than you were if you hadn't listed. And listing only takes about, I don't know, three minutes.
1: Well, I mean, just some advice to some people that are thinking about renting or who are renting is it's about marketing, right? I mean, because I know that if you look at your area and know when there's big rallies coming in or where the, you know, if there's some events coming in around, or, like, uh, conferences where people are coming in for the weekend. Um, they might want to rent a bike for a day. I know I was at a rally in Harrison, Arkansas, and a guy trailered his bike down from, you know, Chicago or something, been right. looking forward to this ride. And then he got there, and for whatever reason, his motorcycle wouldn't start. Oh, really? And he, we looked, I actually pulled out the f- app and like tried to find him a bike, but that was, there wasn't anything close enough for him yeah, um, at that at that time but um right then on the spot he would have done it right because he he was here to ride
0: you know what's you know? funny so I see. yeah yeah you know what's funny is we just had a huge weekend at MotoGP and uh and and the hand show in austin this past weekend now, we have a, a lot of bikes in the area but we were literally getting people on thursday submitting bikes to, to list for the weekend and saying right emailing us saying hey approve it as fast as you can i want to make sure i get my rental in you know get someone to rent it this weekend for the handbuilt show or for MotoGP." right and so uh but the reality is we we were getting rentals for this weekend people started renting bikes back in i think january they were locking in their bikes so yeah. you know if you wait till the last minute the, the chances of you getting a rider are going to be a little bit lower
1: so that's sort of like a perfect example. So I've been to the, I've been to MotoGP and the handbuilt show. Yep. And, you know, I'd have to get in. I f- was, I flew in for work and then I had to rent a car to drive, or I think I'd take an Uber to go to the handbuilt show. Yep. It's been way more fun just to ride a motorcycle. It's not that far, you yeah. know, it's but not- then I could have been a part of the, the part of everybody else's fun instead yeah, of just, let's talk you know,
0: that. Let's talk about that because I'm going to break that down for you. First of all, there's a guy who has a bike on our site who every time he travels for work, he rents a, rents a bike with us, and he expenses it. So instead of expense in the Uber, you might have actually been able to expense the bike.
1: Yeah, that's a smart move.
0: All right, so let's start with that. Uh, the second thing is this weekend we had a, a ride on Saturday morning, and what we did was we got – we invited everybody who has a bike in the Austin area – uh, listed on twisted road and anyone who's in town for MotoGP renting with us and any of their friends uh to go on a ride with us and so we met at uh at a coffee shop a moto cafe got coffee and breakfast burritos and, and we went on a ride and so now we're bringing the community together so if you were in town for MotoGP, gp maybe you didn't have something to do saturday morning you could have gone on like a three-hour ride with us and just you know met other people in the community
1: that that's awesome because I think one of the problem, one of the downsides is you know, as I look at motorcycle tra or sales have been dropping. Um, I go to a lot of rallies and those are dropping. The way that the rallies work, it just needs to change. And and I've kind of decided it's about time and timing yeah. that people just don't have. You know, most are retired people; they can take a week off, yeah, but or two weeks, whatever. But most people can't. So you could fly in ride, ride the bike and have all the fun and then fly back and not have to worry about the big trip. Right. Right. Cause I know the, I was talking to some guys the other day that are, um, having some, a rider, a friend of mine rides in, uh, American flat track. Yep. And he says, and he also rides in moto America and he said the flat track was, you know, we're trying to talk about why flat tracks taking off doing so well the way they run it. He says it's one day. Yeah. He said they come and they race one day and they're gone. Whereas in the other races it's three and four days and it's just hard for people to do that. So yeah, I think that's you're... like, uh,
0: that's like, um, mama tried like the mama tried, um, event and, and, uh, Portland, um, the one moto show the one, in Portland, the
1: one show. Yeah. yeah.
0: Those are actually like mama Tried's two days. It's basically 90% of the people go on Saturday. No one goes on Sunday. Right. The, uh, the one I think is two, two or three days. I think it's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But you look at some of these other things like Sturgis, which is a week long, or Daytona Bike Week, which is a week long, Arizona Bike Week, which is a week. And when you go to the events, you know they may they first of all, um, uh, they're really spread out, whereas the other events are really concentrated in like a in like a warehouse. Um, and so what happens is you have a you have a week for people to come in a really spread out area and it actually feels it feels dead because it not 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 some of them but some of the some like some of them have but not all so like right right wouldn't but arizona bike week it, it felt dead and maybe there are more people there than go to mama tried or the one but because you have so much space and because it's it's spread out over a week it just doesn't feel like it has the same amount of excitement
1: Right. No. And I think that's really important when people try to, I've had communities and different people ask me about helping them with doing shows. And I say shorter and, 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 uh, keep it smaller, you know, can, cause I've been, I love the, the hand built show and I haven't been to the one show yet, but I plan on going. yeah you'll um, love that. You'll love the it. other one I go to a lot is me and my family or my kids. We always go to the vintage festival in, in barber. And that's the same way it's 80,000 people, but it's, locked into one small space so you're you're seeing everybody and there's a lot of excitement but um spin uh mention that go ahead i was gonna
0: say the other thing thing that's interesting and we'll get to vintage in a second but the other thing is the uh you know you talked about um you know flying into sturgis or fly or, or, or going into austin one thing that i did and i thought this was Really, a great idea. It wasn't even mine. It was my wife's. Was I had to be at a trade show in Las Vegas last year, and so I thought to myself, "Hey, do I ride from Chicago because I can do that? I can ride my bike from Chicago all the way down to Vegas, or do I just fly to Vegas and rent a bike?" The problem was, I there wasn't much good riding in the Vegas area, and the other problem was riding from Chicago. I would have had a few days of nothing. I mean, until you get to Denver, it's kind of crappy riding, and so. So Pamela said, "Hey, why don't you just fly to Denver? You don't need to. You don't need to fly to Vegas. Fly to Denver, get your bike there, and and ride to Vegas." And so that's what I did. I took two weeks. I, I flew to Denver. I took about four three days to get to Vegas. I had my trade show, and then five days to get back to Denver. And I wound through all the mountains. It was amazing. Now, the thing that we all do is, as humans is we say, "Oh, I've got." to be in LA for this event, or I'm going to Portland for the one show, let me find a bike in Portland without thinking, I, I gotta be in Portland for the one show. Let me go, you know, out a day or two, find the bike there. And then I can ride there and then ride back. I mean, it really just opens up all
1: the options. No, I think that's awesome. I actually met two guys. I had an event, I had to work here in Arkansas this weekend, and I couldn't go to MotoGP, but I ran into two guys they there on Multistrada's coming from Chicago and they were going to the GP and they said they just leave their bikes at dealerships and then fly home and then they'll fly back to pick them up when they want to pick up the ride, you know? And I'm thinking I couldn't do that, but with your service, I could. I mean, that kind of makes it more open to everybody to plan a trip like that. So I think that's really cool. Speaking of the one show and um, hand show, and I heard this on another podcast – one of my very first, and this has been years ago, one of my first little interviews I did was at the Barber Vintage Festival with Tony from Analog Motorcycles. And I heard on another podcast he actually has some bikes rented with you, correct?
0: So so let's talk about Tony from Analog because I heard you mention that he has a bike. Yeah. He's got a bike. He's got a Royal Enfield on our site. and awesome. uh, It's one of his custom builds, and it's beautiful. So if you're in the Chicago area, you can pick up one of Tony's, you know, you could take a, a custom bike. Uh, the other thing, when you mentioned the barber, this is kind of cool. We're starting to see vintage bikes go up, and there's some restor- beautiful vintage restorations in uh, some in Florida and some in um, Connecticut being put on the site recently. It's kind of cool.
1: That is cool. I mean, I think one of the things that kind of entices me is I know is, is a one of the frustrations with the industry is it's hard to test ride a bike. You know, yeah. you you know, maybe if it's used, they'll let you test ride. But most new bikes, they won't. Almost right. all of the uh, metric dealers won't. Um, so uh, you could just rent whatever you want and try it. Right. Uh, you hear you see people doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. We see people trying bikes uh, all the time. And uh, well, here's kind of an interesting one. There's a guy who had a who had a uh, an interview to to work at a BMW dealer. And so he rented a BMW from us to go ride to his interview on a BMW and the B to to interview with the BMW dealer. It's kind of cool.
1: That is really cool. So talk about, I've heard you speak on other podcasts. You've told some other stories. I'd like to hear some of the, there's some good community building that's happening with your service. Correct.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, we have people, we have people, uh, do some really, um, considerate things. We have some people who bring back bikes in better condition than than when, they, than when they took them. I mean, we have people who have lubed, lubed a chain, we've got or, or polished a bike, and then we've got other people who have brought back a bottle of booze for the for the owner. On the flip side, we've got owners delivering bikes sometimes, and they'll say, you know, hey, I'll 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 uh, I'll, I'll put it in my truck, I'll take it to uh, your campground. Um, we actually had a guy last year who was flying from uh, Washington D.C down to Austin for MotoGP. And he really wanted a Ducati so he can go to the Ducati tent at MotoGP. And um, he wanted a Panigale. And we didn't have one in Austin, but we had one in Dallas, which is a few hours away. I think for an extra 100 bucks or 200 bucks, the owner uh, brought the bike all the way down to, uh, from Dallas to Austin so the guy could have a Panigale for the weekend. You know, he's got, he had one up in Washington, D.C. just wanted to be on his, his same style bike.
1: That is so awesome. I mean, Real. this opens up so many opportunities for people. I think yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So I, I think the service is great, and I, I think it's going to grow and do great. And but let I'd like to f- ask you a few more questions now, just on the business side. So, sure, as sure. an entre- entrepreneur myself, I'm looking at your background. You are the CEO of World Kitchen, who is our president. I'm sorry, I'm president of World Kitchen. Kitchen. They they do Pyrex, correct?
0: Yeah, they're Pyrex uh, and Correll's parent company.
1: And then you got Kohler Company Plumbing, uh, Brunswick, and yeah. Cabo Yacht. So yeah. you've worked for some big companies. How does it feel being a going from a CEO to a bootstrapper?
0: Well, you know I've run these companies, which is every, the smallest company I stepped into already had forty employees and twenty million dollars in global sales, and then the largest was. I think I had a thousand people at one point and I think I had half a billion in, in annual sales. So I've never run anything with zero, uh, until now. And <laughs> the, f- the first 10 months when I really legitimately had zero, cause I hadn't flipped the site switch on yet. And I was still building were really scary. I mean, I basically put, you know, my, my, my wife, my kids, I mean, I do have some pretty high fixed costs. I've got a mortgage <laughs> bill. And, and, um, so, but the, here's the good news with us. I, I mean, I turned the switch on on October 16th of 2017. Within 48 hours, we had our first two rentals. Now, it just didn't come. I mean, we were advertising a ton and building the community and letting people know we were alive. So there's a lot going on there. But those first two came in, and I, I, I was, I was um, really excited because it meant that, You know, somebody wanted what we were providing. We were solving a problem. And I think that first week I did $200 or $300 in rentals. And that's it. And then, you know, the next thing that happens is you want to grow. So the next week, you know, okay, I did 200. Let me hear the number. They did 216 in my first week. So what do I want to do the next week? Well, I want to do something more than 216. You know, I just want to grow. And the next week comes in at 173. It's like, oh, okay, I'm down, you know, and, and the week after that was 114. And so now you're thinking as an entrepreneur, look, I've put my heart and soul and money into this business and I need it to grow. And even if I get 200 bucks a week, you know, that's not enough to support me and my family. Hell, I, that doesn't even cover anywhere advertising expenses or anything. So how do I build this thing to a point where, um, you know, ideally, it's at a point where Airbnb is. I mean, they got the flywheel spinning. It just kind of, it just kind of goes. You know, that takes a lot of, a lot of work. I mean, a lot of time. I'll tell you, Brent, you you want to get scared as an entrepreneur? Have a week with zero. I mean, we've had a few weeks early on with no rentals, and um, they're scary. You know, they're scary. You just want, you just want somebody to
1: go and buy. So, what is your what what helps you get through those? Because I've, I've experienced that <laughs> myself as an entrepreneur. What helps you, you know, I'm sure there's days you wake up and say like, oh, this, I just kind of have to fold it and get a real job. You know, what keeps you from, you know, what keeps you through those zero days?
0: Fortunately, I'm at an area now where I don't have to worry about the zeros anymore, but um, we're, we're not nowhere close to where we need to be financially. But back then, I mean, it was really crazy because the first, I first thought when we had a few days of zeros, I mean, it was early in the company days in a row and the first thing I thought was there's got to be a problem with the website you know there's got to be a problem with the website because we had a lot of issues early on there's got to be a problem let me see if I can fix it and there wasn't and you know it just uh, I don't know man it was November and December of and January of last year I was like it was bad weather. It was a hard, it was just a hard place to be. You know, as long as you've got a supportive wife and you're out there or, or husband and you're out there pounding the pavement and making connections and you have the confidence that you're doing something that's going to work. I mean, the good news is with us, 97% of people of the ratings on our site have been five star 97%, which means that's we're some- doing something right.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. People want us, they love us. They want to come back. So I think, thought early on it just it just needs more people to know about us
1: so what what kind of I mean other than weather because I can understand that with motorcycles it's always weather but what kind of you know from a uh, kind of a marketing standpoint what kind of flipped the switch for you I know you started going to more events um, was it social media Instagram what kind of helped you or podcasts what kind of helped you get the word out there more
0: well, look. There's a big piece of it that's weather, and I wish I could. I wish I could tell you with certainty that there was one thing. This is what this will crack the code, but there wasn't. You know, we do advertise. We're, there's four pillars to what we do for marketing. We advertise it uh, on Facebook and 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 Google. We um, that's number one. We have some really good PR. I think the guy who introduced us um, was one of our early PR guys and he's, he's been great. In fact, he rented a bike at MotoGP. So we, we got a ton of PR, whether it's podcasts or articles written about us. The third thing we do is, um, as we go to events, you know, I've been to maybe eight or 10 events now. And then the fourth thing we do is we have partners and we just have either corporate partners or individuals who help spread the word all around, all around the country.
1: That's awesome.
0: I don't know what lever works and it's a- <laughs> all the time, you know, it's something different all the time, but you, you're kind of, I, I feel like, I really feel like this is like, you know, building a fire. And we're just throwing a ton of kindling on and sticks and all sorts of and newspaper and we're fanning it. And we don't know when it's going to catch. What's going to catch. And so, you know, we might see a little flame shoot up over here and then it starts to die down. We throw some more kindling on it and now it starts getting bigger, but it starts to die down. And we're, we're doing everything. I mean, just in the past month or two, I've probably done eight or 10 podcasts. And uh, so there's a lot that's going on. Uh, these rides I told you about that we did this weekend at MotoGP uh, in Austin. This was the first community ride we ever held. So we're just trying a lot of stuff.
1: That's awesome. Hey, I think it's, uh, you know, I, th- I can hear your passion. So you're actually obviously having a good time. So good time. what what is the, Future goals for Twisted Road, or where, where does what a success look like for you?
0: Well, we've got bikes right now. We've got bikes in every state, so I'm glad we hit that hurdle. But earlier, you said to me that you had a friend, or you knew a, a colleague who rode his bike down to an event, and the bike didn't start, and came to the site, and we didn't have any bikes close by. My goal one day is to get to a a, a point with the company where we have bikes that want in every every place they'd want them. you know so like you may go to uh, a town like let's say you're going to portland and you're like okay i only want a harley and maybe we've got 30 bikes in portland but we only have six harleys and you're like and you know what i'm coming with my uh significant other, so i need to ride two up and maybe there's only one bike that's two up and it's rented that that we you know you, you you're pretty quickly going from 30 or 40 bikes down to zero so I just want to make sure that we have the all the inventory that could rent out so that people have a bike whenever they want to ride.
1: So we we talked a little bit earlier before we started the podcast just about sustainability and growth and, you know, the whole startup kind of world. Yeah. Where do you feel where do you fit in that that world? Or are we are you wanting, you know, a multi million dollar company and sell it out to Airbnb or what? you know, what do you think the future looks like?
0: Well, you know, I put my, I, I've, I'm focused head down on growth. That's what I'm focused on building this community um, and, and growing. I'm not thinking too far out into the future. I, I'm not thinking about anything except growing the company and, and meeting the needs of the riders. Um, we had a good year last year. And at the start of this year, I got a little bit of investor money and I've used it to hire uh two full-time employees and we've got a part-time employee. we got a lot of exciting things that are planned. We have a whole new uh, site update coming in a couple of weeks where the whole site's going to get a refresh. We have some improved insurance offerings coming in May. I mean, there's a lot going on. Um, and so we're just, we're just continuing to meet the needs of the community wherever we can.
1: Well, I just think it's a... Uh... It's exciting time right now. One of the reason I call this the Moto Revolution podcast is I do feel like we're in a re- little bit of a revolution, you know. The everybody's going trying to go electric. Harley's trying to make changes. You know, millennials trying to get more people to ride and everything's kinda every day I see something new and I think that you're one of the bright spots that, you know, um people need to be aware of. I think, you know, just as an internet there's a technical startup. I think it's amazing. The technology you've had to develop to do all this is pretty, pretty mind blowing. That's a lot. So, um, I, I think, think it's going to be, be great.
0: Revolution, And I take it. It's almost a renaissance. I mean, we didn't have like, look at, look at the hand built show for a second. That's everyone says the motorcycle show. It's not a motorcycle show. Let's be honest. It's an art show. And yeah. that's, that's what Portland is with the one. They're all art shows. I mean, people are coming to see beautiful art, and it just so happens that the sculpture is a motorcycle. And it, 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 it attracts people from everywhere. I think you're right. There's a huge revolution going on. It'll take a few years to, to, to really catch, but I think we're, we're at the very early stages of it.
1: Well, you know, I appreciate you, Austin, for being our first guest. Um, I think it's exciting. Um, and- is there any other, you know, any other updates or anything else you'd like to promote to anybody? They could just go
0: i can't think I can't think of anything right now, but I just encourage people to go to twistedroad.com if they want a bike, look at what we have we've got people who come every single day just to see what's new on our site because they're just curious. Just check out the bikes you'll spend you'll you'll probably spend more time than you think you're going to spend there just looking at the bikes and filling you know your kind of your mental dreams as to where you're going to go on
1: <laughs> I think everybody's bike curious that's what I tell everybody right thing.
0: Talk yeah. about that I want to bring on, which is the the um the split of money that's that's earned for owners, the owners get seventy percent, so if you have your bike on there for a hundred bucks and it's rented for two days that's a uh, hundred times two is two hundred and you get seventy percent you get one forty and we pay two days after the bike gets returned after the bike, the ride is over two days later we pay you through PayPal or Venmo, and the money just goes into the
1: okay, and also is that a minimum one day rental? Is that how uh, yeah. it works? Or
0: well, The, the way it works is we, we don't have hourly rates. We only have daily rates and a day is 24 hours. So if somebody wants to take the bike from Friday morning until Saturday morning, that's, that's 24 hours. That's one day. If they take it from Friday morning until Saturday afternoon, that counts as two days. But let's say that somebody wants to pick up the bike on Friday morning and return it Friday evening and just take it out for the day. They still are paying for a full 24-hour rental. They're just bringing the bike back early.
1: Okay. Well, hey, Austin. Again, I want to thank you very, very much for being our first guest. And for anybody out there that's listening, I you got you got if you want to rent a bike, go to Twisted Road. If you want to help make some money on all the bikes you have in your garage, because I know everyone has like three or four in their shop. Yeah. And or, yeah. if or if you're an entrepreneur, you know, and want to go buy three or four bikes and fix them up and put them on the service, I think you could start a business doing this if you yeah. live in the right place.
0: Yeah, agree. Agree. Thanks. And, and check us out on social, uh, at Twisted Road on uh, Instagram. It, that's where all the actions happen.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Brent. This has been another episode of the Moto Revolution Podcast. If you work in the motorcycle industry and would like to be a guest,
0: email motorevolutionpodcast at gmail.com. Subject, guest. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at motorevolutionpodcast
1: and on Twitter at motorevpodcast. The revolution will be motorized.